0: Welcome to the Men of Magic, an interview podcast that gets into the lives of your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. With your host, Robert Martin, and now the Men of Magic begins. Welcome to another episode of the Men of Magic. Uh, this week I am joined by, I would say, someone who is trying to educate people along with doing something that is good in magic, runs the site red site wins a casual site that's designed for the player who is wants to talk about decks a lot of regular sites cannot do also with this i said journalism major in college interviewed patrick chapin uh went to grand prix providence this weekend did not do as well as anticipated and my guest this week is amanda stevens Hey everybody! Let's go right away to Grand Prix Providence. We were talking. Oh we were talking before the show. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about the show that you went to Grand Prix Providence. What did you play, and what happened?
1: All right. So uh, I am known as the Elf player in my local area. Uh, if Elves is a viable deck for the season, I play it, and so I went with the Elf combo build that combos into Embercol as opposed to Storm cards because a lot of car- a lot of decks do run. Mind Break Chap or either Sworn Cannonist as a way to lock down Storm decks. So I went with the Emberco build. And um, I I didn't go in with a lot of high hopes because Mental Misstep is the card that pretty much makes my deck irrelevant. And <laughs> so I was like, right, I'm going to go and I'm going to play Merfolk and I'm going to play Stoneforge Mystic decks. And I'm probably going to lose every round and I'll go 0-2 drop. And uh first round... First round, I play against Bug, and Bug just kind of runs over me. I win game one, uh, because Bug did absolutely nothing but cast one him to Torok. And I was like, sweet, Legacy's so easy. And then games two and three, my opponent goes like, the mind sculptor, turn four. Uh, I'm going to mental misstep your glimpse of nature, and you're not going to combo off, and you're not going to have a board. And I'm going to beat you down with Tarmogoyf. And then game three, he was like, hey... This is Pernacious Deed. This is Pernacious Deed destroying your entire board. And I was like, that's cool. Good games. And that that was kind of like my my legacy experience. Uh, I'd win game one uh and I would combo off and I maybe not get cool, but my opponent'd be facing down like twelve to fourteen creatures which not legacy really can't handle in turn three. And then, unless they ran pernicious Deed or something, they just kind of lost. And my only win was against a deck that I shouldn't win against, which was uh, Goblin Charbelcher. Uh, my opponent, like, game one, mulligans to six, and then passes turn, and she's on the play. And then game two, and then just her, ter- her turn two, she, like, does nothing again. And I'm like, I'm a little worried now. And then... <laughs> Turn three, she just goes blah and vomits out all the rituals and everything, and Lions Eye Diamond and Lotus Petal, and then goes Goblin Charbelcher, and I'm like, oh, I lose now, right? And she's like, yeah, I can I can reveal my whole deck until you lose. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. And then game two, I just get like the crazy God Hand of like two lands, a Nettle Sentinel, a Birch Lore Ranger, Glimpse of Nature uh Sumner's Pact and I forget like another like another One Drop Elf and proceeded to like constantly keep tapping the Birchlore Ranger and Nettle Sentinel and untapping and casting more and more Elves to the point where my board was like pretty much my deck. I only had like three cards left in my library and she just scoops because she's just like I don't care. She's like you're. She's like I would even think I want to play this next turn. She's like you earned it and I was like sweet. And then game three, I cast Emrakul on turn two, and she's just like, so what do I do about this? And I go, um, nothing. I was like, there's not a whole lot you can do about this board state?
0: Yes, you have exactly two permanents. My guy attacks, you lose six.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then I... My my last round uh before I dropped was uh was uh show and tell uh Dream Halls which was really weird to play against, because I know how to beat the Hive Mind deck, but I didn't understand like I had I had play testing against Hive Mind and I had some like ideas on how to beat Hive Mind. Dream Halls is a little different. You you discard a card to play Conflux and then you get Magister Sphinx and two cool ultimatums and win.
0: That would be the easy way to say it, yes. <laughs>
1: Um, so he does that game one, I'm like, wow, this is definitely not the show-and-tell deck I've been playing against for, like, the past month for preparation. I'm like, this, this is interesting. And then game two, he makes the awesome misplay of saying dream halls but casting Magister Sphinx off of, uh, show-and-tell. And And I was like, phenomenal, because you have Magister Sphinx, but I have Emrakul. And he was like, uh, and he counts up his permanents, he's like, I have three lands... That just just sinks. You have a number cool. GG! And I was like, yeah. And then game three, he plays, like, a turn three Childs of the Void for one, which locks out my entire deck, and I just kind of scoop phase.
0: It is amazing how difficult Legacy can be, but it's also a high-risk, high-reward kind of scenario.
1: Oh, yeah. The, The one thing I've learned from GP Providence is, like, if you, when you read about Legacy, and you, like, read the coverage, and you listen to the Twitter conversations, like, you automatically feel, like, you should just, like, if you're not a pro, you can't do it. You can't get there in Legacy. And if you're not playing blue, you stand no chance. But, like, I lost to a Merfolk deck, not because the Merfolk deck was better than mine, but because I forgot to pay for my Summoner's Pact, due to, like, a little bit of issues that I had between me and a judge. But, uh, Otherwise, like, I could have beaten the Merfolk deck. Like, decks like Elves and Zoo and stuff, they can still win in these formats. It's a whole lot of luck in Legacy. It's not not as strong as standard in the sense that, like, consistency is kind of low a bit. At least in the decks I played against.
0: It is a tremendous advantage to have buys.
1: Yeah, buys also help a lot. Like, your first three rounds, you see really random... Awkward decks
0: that you, you can't prepare for those decks.
1: No, you can't. Like someone was playing a modern, was playing a standard um, um, mono white knight deck that I was watching him play, and it was just like you know a quarter paladins and a Johnny and like knight exemplars, and he's facing down like Bug, and Bug just runs rampant on him, and I'm just like this this is a sad matchup. No, it wasn't Bug, it was Dredge and his opponent had played Blazing Archon. And you're like, what does is, what is a standard deck do against Blazing Archon? A standard aggro deck, nothing.
0: It stares at it and goes, I lose.
1: Yeah, because there's nothing in standard that says remove target creature from the game, except for dispatch, which is if you have Metalcraft.
0: craft. Well, the worst thing about it is if he would add any kind of, he was running white, sword to plowshares.
1: Yeah, but this was a straight up standard deck. Like, I asked to see his deck to see, like, maybe he told it with some legacy cards, because like blue white uh, blue white uh, control in legacy is pretty much the is pretty much the uh, current deck. It's pretty much blue white control in standard. It just runs force wills and other cards that are good in legacy. This was just a straight up standard deck that I guess he just felt like maybe he was from the area and was like, ah, oh, GP Providence is happening. I might as well play. Because you would never see that round four. You would never see that if you had the three buys.
0: They do so much work together. Y- y- you probably noticed that they were all kind of sitting together after they got back. And
1: oh yeah, I, I soon like you like Team Channel Fireball came in. It was almost like watching um like West Side Story. They all came in as like a crew. Like in a pack, just like, like, cruised in, picked up, picked an empty table and took it over. Like, it was, it was like high school when you watch, like, the jocks come into the the cafeteria.
0: What happened? Who did you meet? Uh,
1: I met, I met some cool people. I got to meet Patrick Chapin again. Well, finally in person, which was pretty cool because he's just like he is on Twitter and everything else we see him in. Like, he, it's not a front. He is that chill. Uh, He was playtesting, and some, like, people walking up to him to, like, sign cards and playmats, and he would pause the game and would be like, sure, sure. Like, he never once made you feel like you were interrupting a game, which, like, I probably would have been like, hey, guys, I'm playtesting. This is my last round before I have to actually play. Can you give me a second? And instead, he was just kind of very humble and just kind of signs people playmats and, you know... It's just that it's just the same guy you would expect him to be. Uh, I got CKYT from the Metapole. I mean, wow, the Metapole, uh, mana deprived. Uh, he's so gonna kill me now.
0: That's okay. I always for for a while I kept calling the show I was on Mana deprived instead of Mass Group. So you know, hey, he's used to having us misname him and so on and so forth.
1: Uh, he he's, he was pretty good. He also had the unfortunateness of scrubbing out. So uh, I got to talk to him for a bit. Uh, and then, yeah, that was pretty much it for pros. I mean, most of, I tried to hit up Team Fireball, uh, because I had Shadow Fireball, I had talked to a few of them on Twitter about maybe interviewing them at the GP, and they said that, you know, based on, like, how we're doing, or, like, how much free time we have, and the two pros that I talked to at a time just were not having the best of tournament showings, and so I kind of gave them their personal space, which is a good thing to be able to gauge as, as a journalist, is when to, you know, be, when to be on people's kind of rear ends and when to just take a step back and try and find a better time.
0: You are a journalism major in college. Yeah. And where do you go to school?
1: I go to SUNY Albany, which is in uh, upstate New York.
0: What got you into journalism in the first place? Uh,
1: believe it or not, a little bit of magic. Uh, and not magic as in, like, magical, magic as in the game we all play. I have always been really interested in interviewing people and sitting down and writing about things that I'd seen during the day. And I was really interested in, like, tournament coverage. Like, I, would, I remember you had to, like, sit and wait, like, two hours to download the tournament coverage from the Wizards site because there was no YouTube. And I remember watching, like, the coverage and the interviews and stuff, and I thought that that was really cool. And uh, I tried uh, a different major at my first college, which was uh, architecture, because I like to draw buildings and stuff. And when I got to Albany, I was like, I'll do journalism, because that seems really cool, and I like to interview people, and it might be fun. And so that's kind of how I got into journalism, was just I really like talking to people and getting to know about them. And a little bit of had to do with watching the tournament coverage for Magic, because I'm that much of a nerd.
0: You said you interviewed Chapin. Just one-on-one interview about the well, album?
1: Well, here's what happened. Uh, last, I had to make a Twitter account. Like, the the whole, whole crazy backstory is that I had to make a Twitter account for a journalism class. Okay. And I rarely used it. Uh, and this past summer, I was up at school for summer classes, and my professor was like, Hey, I need your help uh, teaching my summer class with Twitter because you did a good job with that. And so I was like, but I don't use it. And I'm like, I feel bad if these students go look at my Twitter and I have like 10 tweets in the past year and a half. So I started tweeting more and I found out that a lot of pros like Patch and Chapin have Twitter accounts. And so I made a blog for the class because I was kind of like a TA and I was teaching students how to approach people on Twitter for interviewing purposes. And I had used it to interview like a few independent musicians and whatnot. And so I just decided to go, hey, at D.P. Chapin, do you mind if I interview you for my blog? And I was expecting him to just be like, nah. He mentions me back, like, hey, send me an email uh at here, and we'll set something up. And back and forth that summer, we sent a couple of emails, and then I had some technical difficulties where I had no computer for like a month and a half. So I had nowhere, I had nothing to do with that interview, and it kind of sat there and got very, very stagnant because the questions were very pertinent to what the metagame was during the summer, and by the time I had a computer again, it was already November, so I had to ditch that, and then when I started up Red Site Wins with uh, Lewis, uh I hit up Chapin, I said, hey Chapin, I still have this interview, uh, can I take it, can I use it for my new site and it, ask you a few more questions? And so we did a few more inter- we did a few more emails back and forth. Uh, he asked me to make sure that we covered the the album so that he could promote the album because site launch and his album were almost coinciding. Like our site launched uh, early April and the album launched mid April, so it was it was kind of like a decent promotion. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty cool experience to be able to say like, hey, I sat down and talked to Patrick Chapin over via email just by sending him a random email, sending him a, la- a random tweet.
0: Magic as a whole realizes that the best way to promote yourself is through Twitter. Yes. Because there are so many people out there through there that follow that you can get opinions, thoughts, and a lot of times they communicate to each other through Twitter to be able to set up things or whatever for their trips or whatever it is. It's kind of fun to see. Yeah, like this interview we're doing right now. Yeah. Yes, it all started with you saying, hey, what about interviewing me? And I'm like, well, what do you do? And like I said, I look at this as an opportunity to explore the world of magic, and right now you're trying to do that. You have your own site. You do interviews. Though please don't ask to take my job yet. Please, please, please. A little longer, I'd like to keep it. <laughs> well,
1: I, we we were thinking about doing – Well, the, the funny story is the way – You heard of me was because, um, Moxie MTG, which I, for the life of me, her name is escaping me, her actual real name, and that's why I'm clicking on Twitter right now to see what her real name is, MJ. Um, I had messaged, I had mentioned MJ and a few other, uh, women of magic on Twitter about doing a women of magic podcast. Because you listen to a lot of these podcasts and there's no girls on them. Absolutely. Uh, I think Monday Night Magic has one person, and I know uh, what's the what's the podcast that has a little back and forth with the mana pool.
0: Avan
1: Avan has a resident female, and that's about it for podcasts. Correct. And if you look at the websites, we're even further not represented. So, brought that up to to MJ. And someone had, someone who was following both me and MJ thought I meant like your show. As in like I'd be exclusively interviewing women. And she, she was like, oh, you should, she's like, you should be on the Men of Magic. And I thought like she meant like interview the Men of Magic, as in interview you. Oh no. (laughs) And (laughs) because I was talking about who do people want me to interview next because I just finished the KYT interview. And so she's like, "No, you should be on the Men of Magic." And that time she had actually mentioned you in it, and that's how we got. Th- that's why Twitter is crazy because you can have a complete conversation and mention someone at the ten- tail end of it, and that drags them into the into the conversation.
0: Who are you looking to interview next?
1: Um. Well, there's there's a lot of people on the short list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had hit up. I had uh, sent Mark Rosewater a tweet a while back, and then the whole um, – I like to refer to it as New Phyrexia Gate happened. Yes. Um. So the, communi- the lines of communication on that have been kind of put on hold, um, mainly because I just decided to give – like, as soon as the whole new – that was right before the New Phyrexia full spoiler happened. So I decided that, oh, Wizards is probably super busy right now and decided to – you know, give him some space. So I'm going to try and reopen the lines of communication there. Um, I also hit up LSV in the same way that I uh, did with Patrick Chapin, and he agreed to do one, but I then got really busy with finals and stuff, so I haven't gotten a chance to solidify anything with him. And I believe KYT is helping me get in contact with uh, Michael Flores, because if anyone can help me talk to Michael Flores, it would be KYT.
0: I don't know. I guess I don't want to have someone say, Why is the guy yelling into the phone that's doing into the microphone that's doing the interview?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, totally. That's something they actually that's one of the things they make sure to uh teach you in journalism school is like one, like there are like certain styles that they talk about, but one of the things they try to make sure that you do is uh try and become friends with the people you're talking to. And not like you're trying to become best friends for life and you want you want to become Facebook friends and uh try and hit them up on the weekend and you know go to the movies but make sure that like they understand that you know you're not just like this test subject but that you're someone that you actually are interested in talking to otherwise why would we be interviewing you in the first place
0: you talked about rereading your bio here you thought about going to 60 cards or mana deprived
1: oh yes so do you want me to share the story of how i got into writing about magic
0: sure absolutely
1: Alright, so, uh, Twitter. This is, this is one of my favorite things about Twitter. Uh, someone, uh, my, uh, a friend of mine, a, a now friend of mine, Mike, uh, had posted this thing on Twitter saying, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own magic site. Are any of, are any of my followers interested or writers? I'm like, I'm a magic player and I'm a writer. Sure, I'll respond. And, So I started writing a very short-lived article, uh, called Path to Casual over on Top Deck Hero. And the site was pretty much what it sounds like, uh, a site that was pretty much written by non-pros, uh, who were trying to break into the magic scene, who were trying to do well at tournaments and the such. And that site, due to some, just due to, uh, you know, Mike having some personal issues, and, you know, just, you know, difference of how a site should be ran and what a, what a site is all about. Me and Lewis, uh for the first time, had talked uh, outside of Twitter and hopped on Skype. And we were like, we're going to leave Top Deck Hero. However, we didn't want to quit writing. We had been bitten by the bug that is doing something with magic that isn't just playing. And, uh, Lewis was like, oh, well, we could talk to, uh, KYT, maybe he'll let us write for Mana Deprived, and Lewis has played a lot of MTGO with, uh, Smitty from, uh, 60 Cards. So, he was like, or we could go to 60, or we could try and go to 60 Cards, and I thought that that was, that could be cool, but I really didn't like, I don't like working for other people. Uh, I wanted to try and do something on my own. And so I said, hey, Lewis, why don't we start a site? Why don't we do our own thing? And we threw some names back and forth. One of them was Affinity for Awesome. (laughs) Um, But at some point, his wife in the background says to him, "Why why don't you guys do red site wins, you know, like red deck wins, because it's simple. And so me and Lewis start laughing for the next 10, 15 minutes. And I save it as our and I'm like currently on WordPress typing in red site wins. Like Lewis is gonna love this and I save it and Lewis goes, Wait, you made that our site name? And it just kinda it just kinda stuck. We we kinda we kinda like how easy it is to remember. It's not difficult to remember red site wins.
0: That's the whole thing. You want to make sure people can find your site as easy as possible. Now do you two just write all the articles for the site? Do you have additional people? How's this going?
1: Alright, so the way Red Site Wins works is Lewis uh, pretty much records his uh, when he competes on MGGO events and does videos. So that's kind of Lewis's thing. We're both editors. We both manage the content, uh, try and improve the site, look for sponsors, all of that stuff that a good site owner should be trying to do. Uh, I write articles when I can. Uh, It's now no longer a school. I have the summer off, so I'm going to try to fit in between working full time and. and, uh, you know, trying to enjoy the fact that it's summer. I'm also going to try and get some more articles in. But we have a pretty cool team of writers um, that I was very lucky to to put into Twitter. Hey, guys, I need some writers. And thanks to people like Urtai's Lament and uh, Neil, uh, who's known as Wrong Way Back on Twitter, who also writes for Quiet Speculation. And uh, a few other people helped give me the boost, the signal boost I needed to get a decent to pretty much get some phenomenal people to come back and say, hey, we want to we'd like to write for you. Like we have a uh, short supply, otherwise known as uh, Sean, and he writes the phenomenal com- uh, articles about EDH slash commander, depending on if you depending on what you want to call it. Uh, we have Bradley, who writes about designing a set. And what he's currently doing, which is a really cool concept, is he has this set he wants to make. And he knows what direction he wants it to go in, but he's been using, um, he's been using comments from people who comment on his article to improve and advance the set design. So that's an interesting concept. We have um, Stigen, who's uh, from Sweden, and he writes about casual. So that's really cool. And then we have a few other people who kind of pop in and off the site who write about competitive. Uh, You know, people, we have a few competitive writers who aren't really committed to the site. They come in and they post when they find the free time, and then they kind of disappear into the sunset until it's time for them to ride on the white horse and write again.
0: Well, that's good because one of the things that sites struggle with early on is having a consistent base of writers,
1: yeah, we have, we have a pretty much a good three or four people that will always post every week. And that's, that's what's been really helpful in helping keep our site on the map of sorts is the fact that we do have four people who always, always find the time to post.
0: Let's talk about you. It's in your bio here, and I do want to bring it up. Your quote is, you wouldn't want to be lying if I didn't want to educate people. I don't know many transgender journalists. I especially don't know any that are covering MT- MTG. Why don't we talk about that for a little bit? What are some of the challenges you face from this? Because you mentioned one to me before we started the show. All
1: right. Well, uh, as many people, especially people on Twitter, uh, know I am trans. I am transgender, uh, male to female, which is why you hear the name Amanda, and my voice doesn't kind of match people's perceptions of what a feminine voice should sound like. Um, I have been transitioning since I got into college, um, and, um, and so, uh, one of the things that, uh, I didn't always have, that I knew shouldn't be a problem was being a nerd and being trans, because the nerd community is very vast and wide and tends to be rather accepting, um... So I didn't think I've, I've yet to have really any huge problems with um being uh tra- with being trans and being a magic player. Like I've yet to have people like say things to me while I'm actively playing. Uh, my local play group, because uh, my local uh, store, I used to play male because I didn't know because DCI has a very strict policy about your DCI card and changing your name on it. And so, since when I made my DCI card, I considered myself male, I decided to play male at my local store. How, uh, but over, very recently I've decided to play female. We, um, our judge kind of made it so that a different name prints up. Uh, Amanda prints up on the, uh, on the, uh, pairings list. And uh, so my store gets it. Most we very rarely have people who come in new to the store who say something about it. And most of the people in the store just go, you know, leave her alone, or you know, nobody will play you, <laughs> like no one will trade with you, which can suck if you go to a store and you can't get a single trade done. Uh, and if no one's friend, like our store is very friendly, so it kind of sucks when you're the guy no one wants to be friendly with. Yeah. So it's it's that's that's a nice feeling. However, going on the tournament scene has been a little different for me. Uh, I've had some people kind of point and say things. Uh, I've had people give me odd looks. And I also had a very interesting experience, uh, recently with a judge. Uh, which, I don't really, uh, I don't wanna, I, I know the judge's name. I'm not gonna blow up people's spots because, uh, she probably was being, you know, inquisitive. But, uh, I'm at the PTQ, I'm at, well, the PTQ, I'm at the GP in Providence this Saturday. And, uh, for those of you who saw me, or you probably will now know who I am. I was wearing a red dress because I thought I was going to get some interviews and I tried to dress kind of professional for these things. And uh, I was presenting female. And one of the judges came up to me at some point and had uh, asked me. uh, Give me a second. I have to take a break.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: Okay. Okay, sorry about that. I had a a phone call. Um, So I'll start over. Mm -hmm. So a judge comes up to me And she asks me What's up with the dress And uh, I was kind of confused Because I was like this is the judge I wouldn't think a judge would come up And ask me a question like that I know that judges are people too But they're supposed to In my opinion they're supposed to be at a higher caliber Uh, And I go What do you mean? Because I'm presenting female I wear breast forms I may not look like a conventional female But I do It's obvious that I'm not doing this as a joke um, And so I say What are you talking about She goes well I know that there She's like there's a player that comes That, that comes to some of uh, these events who wear, He wears wigs So that he can Throw his opponent's game off And there's a guy who wears a sombrero, who's here Who's wearing a sombrero And he says he wears it to put his opponents on tilt and I go, no, I'm female, and I'm wearing a dress because it's hot as balls outside. And she goes, oh. And then she walks away. And I was a little confused because, like I said, I never would have expected of all the, out of the, you know, the 1,400 people that were at a GP that the person who would come up and say something to me would be a judge. And I went up to the head judge and brought it to his attention that I was like, I'm not trying to, you know, be the guy who, uh, you know, pisses in other people's cereal, but I don't know if this is rather appropriate of a judge to do. And I don't know how that was rectified. He apologized. And I don't know if it was really an apology or more of a just, uh, I don't know what to say about something like this. But that was kind of a very awkward experience for me as both a player and as someone who's trans, to have someone come up to you and question your appearance.
0: I interviewed Kali Anderson. I've interviewed Jared Silva. It's, they are held to a higher standard. You can hear that from their interviews. You can hear, you know, Kali, she talks about how, you know, you have to be energetic, you have to be outgoing, you have to do it. And then Jared from, you know, we have to look at everything from every angle. You have to be able to... You can form casual conversations with people, but you have to know what the line is. In that case, they might have gone past it. Yeah. Weird state of people that kind of get together and meld together. And to have a judge do that kind of really stunned me.
1: Oh, it stunned a, it stunned a lot of my friends because a lot of my friends ask me, you know, like, like how they – like because especially – when I play when I play at my store, I don't really dress I'm I'm quasi a girly girl, but I don't really dress super girly when I play magic because it's magic, it's kind of a boys club type thing. So uh they were like, Oh, is anyone bothering you? Because you know, I'm, i was dressed more feminine than I usually am and I said, Oh no, except for except for this one thing and they go, well what was it? And I told them the story I told you and they were like, A judge? And they were like, It's not a tournament organizer or and I was like, Nope, nope black shirt with the planeswalker symbol on the back it was a judge and they were just kind of like really so i mean that was a slight unfortunate aspect but it's not something i'm not gonna dwell on it it. i didn't bring it up in my gp recap on my site because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make a big i'm not gonna make a phenomenal huge stink about it because i don't think she said it as to be rude so I'm just gonna leave it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give her the benefit of, of the doubt.
0: If I could tell you right now that you would be flying to Pro Tour Nagoya to do articles for them, how quickly would you be packing and jumping on a plane?
1: Going to Pro Tour Nagoya? Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty damn quick. I think, uh, I, would not even pack my bags, I would grab a deck or two i'd bring my playmat so I could get them signed by each and every pro that was there and uh i'd be at the albany international airport uh like right now i'd actually hang up on you <laughs> and go to nagoya early that that's how quickly I would be there
0: well, uh, well, because
1: okay. it's, that's like that would be like the- that would be the dream come true like uh I mean, like, there's other things I want to do with my journalism degree, but, like, one of my dream jobs would be wizards, stumbles upon, red sight wins, reads my articles, and goes, we want this person. And I go, wow. And then they're like, oh, we want to send you to worlds. I'd be like, what?
0: Are you following Frank Lepore? Yes. He is the person who they literally stumbled onto, took him to Denver, Dallas, and away he went literally, it's one of those cases of you get caught at the right time by the right people and keep working hard. Anything can happen. And that's the beautiful thing about magic. Anything can happen. I joke a little bit about myself is that if it wasn't for the fact that Tangent would have picked me up on his show, I wouldn't be doing this.
1: Yeah. I mean, mean, that's kind of the same thing I say. Like, if Mike hadn't made his uh, Twitter status, hey, I want to I want to start my own site, I would have never really gotten really involved on Twitter as far as like talking about magic and, you know, kind of lurking the magic hashtag and I wouldn't have, you know, started Red Site Wins and I wouldn't have gotten involved with, you know, people like MJ and KYT and you and just uh, Meta Nightmare and all these other phenomenal people who are... Uh, amazing people and Magic is this amazing community and Twitter and all this stuff is, it's just all spur of the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened to me at some point where, you know, GG Live says, you know, we've seen your, we've listened to you talk on your podcast. We'd like, are you going to be in the area for this event or something of that nature?
0: We were talking about the website originally in the beginning part of the interview and what is your goal for the website
1: Well I mean The the first thing is uh, Like most websites we kind of would like to Get a little bit of notoriety And I think we're, we're getting that a little bit Because uh, Sean Who writes our Commander EDH articles Is pretty much on every Single EDH forum there is So like the days he posts We see a huge Huge spike in traffic And what we're trying to do is To kind of ...become the casual site. Like, every... Like, you have... If you want strategy, you go to, like, Star City... ...or Channel Fireball... ...or TCG Player 60 Cards... ...if... ...or even Mana Deprived now is getting up there... ...and sort of, like, a place to go to for strategy. But, like, I can count... ...probably on both hands how many strategy sites there are... ...for MTG. But then you, like, say casual... ...and... ...I think there's, like, us... And the casual Planeswalker are, like, the only two dedicated casuals that come to mind. So I want people to first kind of recognize that we're here. But, I mean, really, I'm having fun with the site as is. Like, we're trying to find a sponsor because both me and Lewis are jobless and kind of poor. So it'd be nice to, you know, move to a nicer platform than WordPress.com. And, you know actually be able to, like, host our podcast on our site as opposed to using the free hosting that uh, MTGCast graciously gives us. But, you know, it would be nice to be able to, for people to come to our site and listen to it on the site as well. But other than that, you know what? I'm having fun occasionally writing my articles, doing my interviews, and just kind of watching my writers grow and flourish as it is now.
0: Have you thought about maybe reaching out to talking to Avant-Garde Show and talking to Manipool and seeing if they'll send you the link to their shows to your site to drive up more interest.
1: We have talked, to- has given us a shout-out uh, a few times on the Manipool because when I used to work for uh, Top Deck Hero, I scheduled an interview with uh, the Manipool guys, and we did it. And it's, it's jokingly kind of right now the lost interview, uh, because when we had finished interviews, when uh, we were having troubles with the site, and so it's kind of just been sitting in limbo right now. It's edited, it's ready. We're thinking the, the biggest problem is I kind of want to talk to Chewie about reshooting the intro because the intro is Welcome, everybody. This is Amanda Stevens from uh, Top Deck Hero, and Top Deck Hero doesn't exist anymore.
0: Well, then see what you got to do with that is you, you come up with the intro saying. Right before you start this, the the interviews. So.
1: Yeah, I have to. We have to. The thing is, is that Chewie talks almost right after the intro. There's not a lot of space for me to cut it without overlapping on Chewie, but I'll work it out. But I have talked to uh, I've talked to a few sites about getting us some hits. I know Mana Deprived Kyt has been very helpful with you know, kind of giving us signal boost. So has uh, Jay Boosh and a few other members of the Magic community. So I'm not too worried about getting the name out there. I think we need some more substantial content and, you know, a little bit more diversity before people actually start making us a regular stop. Because right now we only talk about three things. are uh, very, like, rogue decks that he works on for casual, uh, the set development commander, and then um, Lewis's videos that he does about how he does on, like, MGGO daily events. So I'm trying to kind of cover more casual and kind of get everything. Like, I'm in the talks with a few people to write about modern, which is Wizard's new uh, format. And I'm trying to find someone who wants to talk about overextended so that we can kind of have, like, a dueling article about, you know, what they think is better extended or overextended or modern and kind of work from there.
0: A lot of times what happens with some of these websites is they get consumed by larger websites. Yeah. Would that necessarily be the worst thing?
1: Um, I mean, it depends. I, I'm never one to kick a gift horse in the mouth. If, you know, I'll use the random example. Let's say sixty cards uh, comes up, like, shoots me Nemo and says, hey, we, we love what you guys are doing. Um, instead of you guys being Red site wins, why don't you all just come over and write for us? And you know, you guys will be compensated in some shape or form, but we think you guys will do better working for a larger site. Dependent on how much free reign I'm giving over myself and how much free reign my writers are given, I would totally be behind that idea. Because the main like if you ask and do the writers that write for red site wins now, they are allowed to write about whatever they want to write about. They can post a little bit late. We don't, like, if your posting day is Friday, I would prefer, you know, the latest post is Saturday. I don't want you posting Monday. But they have free reign, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why the writers like working on Red Site Wins is because they can do pretty much whatever they want. So that, that, that's the only thing that's stopping me is I would like to make sure that, A, I'd care more about what happens for my writers, and then I'll worry about myself. Because that's what I've—that's always what I've thought about being a good editor is you look after the people who work with you. Because I don't consider anyone to work for me. Uh, and then once they're taken care of, then you can deal. F- then you can work about what's going on for yourself.
0: You work as a unit. You work together. And, and hey, you know what? The the best thing that can happen is that someone from your group gets big. Look at Ape Sargent. and he yeah. is the quintessential casual writer. And he has managed to go all over the place and do real well at it. I
1: mean, the the interesting thing is uh uh Neil, wrong way back used to write for Top Deck Hero and now Neil's one of is like the commander writer for uh for what is it, quiet speculation? Yes. So it's like it's cool to see people who like you knew as like just this casual dude, now like people know him. So I mean like I'm cool with things like that. And I just, like I said, I would never kick a gift horse in the mouth. Like, I love doing Red Side Wins, and I really wouldn't want it to end and be swallowed up by something. But if the opportunity comes up and, you know, Lewis says, hey, that would be, it would help me out a lot to be able to do this. And, you know, Sean and Bradley and the other founding writers want to do it, then I guess I get outvoted. Because even though I'm the site, the site co-owner, I'm not the final say. I'm not going to drop the hammer and say no.
0: Let's go back to your college again. you got another year. You're going to be done. You're already doing some work. You've talked about wanting to do writing for Wizards. What do you want to do before that when you get done with school?
1: Um, I mean, I do a lot of work in activism. Uh, especially LGBT activism. That's how I first got, that's when, that's how I first got into social media was, uh, by being a press secretary for a conference. And so what my main, what I would like to do is, you know, probably try and help out in the local Albany community because a lot of the organizations around here really got me my start doing PR and social media work. So I'd like to give back and, you know, work for them for real now as opposed to side projects. And after like, I'm I'm kind of – this probably sounds like, you know, the average college student opinion, but I just take things as they come. Like, I, I'll shoot out my resume everywhere I can, and whatever opportunities come my way, I'll take. Well, that's good. I, I, I like, have this weird – I kind of have, like, a goal, but if it doesn't happen and something else comes my way,
0: hey – you said you're trying to make it a lot of GPS.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be hitting up Montreal uh, in
0: September. I think it is Montreal's early September. Well, you know who will be there. The Silent Assassin will be there in, in full force. Yeah, there. I already hit up. Yeah, I I know. I'm
1: I'm looking forward to uh to actually uh hitting up to actually m- my I I might not actually play because standard's really not my format. I play I play a really rogue deck in standard. Uh, so. I probably would go there 100% for coverage, and that- so I'm going to hit up Good Games Live and see if they need anybody, maybe not even for the booth, but filming, because I have some filming experience, because I work for my school's uh, TV station. Uh, uh, I'm going to definitely do a better job of hitting up some pros ahead of time, so that I can schedule actual time with them, as opposed to... Hey, if I see you, can we do something? No, I'm going to try and actually be like, Hey, I'm going to be free the whole tournament. I know that you, like, you guys like to playtest your, during your buys, but I would really like to see if I can get you guys during your buys because
0: that's when you're the least busy. Also, Sundays are really good if they stick around. If someone doesn't make it. See, that's what I'm going to try
1: and do. Is uh, I think what I'm going to do is uh, take, go up with my Albany crew. On Saturday, and then crash with somebody from Face to Face Games or Mana deprived, and then Sunday take the uh, take the uh, bus back or try and convince one of my crew people to. I really want to come up Friday and uh, chill at Face to Face Games and play an F and there.
0: That's not a bad you idea. You
1: know, yeah. really get to hang out with the, with the meta-deprived crew and then, you know, compete Saturday and go from there. But we'll see.
0: One of the keys that will help you get those interviews is basically just talk to them ahead of time on Twitter, you know, try to set things up, and then just basically when you're there, say, hey, we talked about setting up a time, how does Sundays... keep it? And then keep an eye on how they're playing, and you could find yeah. that out by just walking up and seeing what their current point total is. And if you know someone's yeah. not going to make it, then poof, you got a chance to set up an interview. Because normally they hang around to watch one of their friends. Hang around, ask them, and say, hey, got some time. Can we do this tomorrow? And, you know, most of them come back for Sunday. So that's a very good opportunity.
1: Now, are you going to be at GPs anytime soon?
0: Well, let's see. The one in June falls on the weekend of my 10th anniversary, which the answer is No. No. I, I do have the ability to drive or take a bus, anything but a plane into Canada, but after my last excursion into Canada where I kind of made a fatal mistake of using my air card in Canadian territory, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just say there's So So, so
1: here's, 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 here's my goal for you. Yes. If I get to Montreal, you need to get to Montreal so I can flip the script on you and interview you. Okay. That is my that is my cruel that is my cruel ultimatum.
0: I do these interviews trying to give people insight into you and into the people I interview. I didn't think <laughs> there'd be a person on the planet that'd be interested in hearing about me. And also, I say I'm on so many shows anyways. If you don't know my opinion and stuff, then you're just not listening.
1: <laughs> I guess. I mean, my my thing is, uh, one, it's kind of a huge favor to me in a sense that you're doing this because it helps me get. Myself out there and Red Sight Wins out there. But, um, I, I guess there, there are probably some people that want to know why you do Men of Magic and stuff. I don't think it's a no brainer. Okay, well. Cool. Because, yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, I find the job that we do as interviewers to be super tedious, so there has to be a good reason. To do this, besides what you say during every interview of, you know, giving insight to people, there's got to be a little bit more behind it. That's why I'm taking over your interview and interviewing you. People fascinate me,
0: and especially if they're involved with magic, it makes it even easier. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the one that we talked about earlier. I'm looking forward to doing an interview with MJ Scott just, because of her artwork and all that stuff. If somebody's got a story to tell and it just happens to work that it said magic... Welcome to the show. How can I help you? That's one of the things you asked about that. My interview with one of the best interviews I think I've done recently was the one with Smitty from 60 Cards.
1: Oh, Smitty's an amazing guy.
0: Just the ability to talk to him and flow into subjects that I didn't think we were going to hit into and just the humor and stuff like that, that's what makes it fun. It really does. And you have a story to tell, and I want people to know about it because I think... The next time you show up in Montreal, people can come to you and say, Hey, I know your story. I know who you are about the site or whatever. That's that's my thing. It really is. Right. Well, I appreciate it. You had a story to tell, and that's one of the reasons why you're here tonight, is to tell a story even though it's been delayed. And for those of you who do not know, I had to unfortunately cut for about an hour and 15 minutes because I unfortunately had Monday Night Magic calling me, which is going to be affectionately called... Wednesday morning, Magic, you'll have to listen to the show. You'll understand why. <laughs> you were nice enough to give me your time and allow me to pause to come back to it. So did I miss anything else that we should talk about, anything at all that? Let me see. So we covered the site
1: and how it got started. Yes. We covered what it's like to be a transgender uh, player. Yes. Uh, let's see. we covered school. yep, we covered what I might be doing next. so mm-hmm. we've covered how you should interview Tom from uh, monday night magic
0: yes we've we've covered that now on two shows.
1: and everybody, you should look for my tweet about it. just keep hopping on the bandwagon so it <laughs> happens. Uh, we covered my scrub out at GP Providence.
0: Yes, but we also talked about the people you met and now how this is going to prepare you for GP Montreal.
1: Yeah. Um, so the only thing I have to say, this is a shameless, shameless plug, but um, Lewis from Red Sight Wins needs help getting to Montreal. So if anybody knows or an alchemist on Twitter, you should try and help him get to Montreal so that Team Red Sight Wins uh, can can be there in force. And We can be. We can almost be as pimp as you know, Channel Fireball, and walk in as a crew. And pretend like we have buys.
0: Well, it worked for Jay Bush. Anything's possible. We definitely have enough listeners out there that can help and whatever it is to take to get there. We'll wrap it up right now because it's late, and it's late, for you, it's late for you, and I apologize. And
1: That's fine. I have to now record uh, Redcast wins.
0: Okay, okay. All right, and on that note, this has been another episode of The Mina Magic. We will be back again next week. Thank you for listening.